This is Stories from Palestine podcast. This is a weekly podcast made in Palestine about the history, about culture, art, music, inspiring stories, but also about the reality of life in Palestine. And in this week's episode, we are going to do a real virtual tour because I'm taking you with me on a car ride from my home in Beit Safafa to the school of my children in Beit Jala. But before we hit the road, I would like to tell you that I have received really nice feedback on last week's episode with the musicians. We had three musicians and a music instrument maker who talked about their instruments, the oud, the nai, and the kanun. And I am very grateful to everyone who took the time to write me a message or a review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, on the Instagram and on the Facebook account. For example, from Matilda from the United States, she said, this is excellent in every way, Crystal. Congratulations to you and the musicians. Beautiful music and great conversations. And Dylan, a woodworker from Wales, he said, I love this connection to music, heritage, creativity and timber. Well, thank you guys. I'm really glad you appreciate it. I also want to thank those who bought me a coffee or a falafel sandwich on the Kofi donation page, especially in these days without any tourism. This is the only source of income. So really, thank you for that. And now let's explore the area where I live between Jerusalem, Al-Quds and Bethlehem, a beautiful but a little bit complicated area. You may want to look at the Google Maps and I will post a map with the route also on my website. So yalla, let's go and hit the road. This is the first time that I do an episode while driving. I'm driving my car to pick up my children from the school. But since it is a very interesting drive, I thought I'll take you on a ride with me. So I'll tell you, we're driving a Citroën C4. And we're driving from my home, which is in uh, Beit Safafa. And Beit Safafa is originally a Palestinian town that is now considered to be part of Jerusalem because it is now uh, considered to be a suburb of, the, of Jerusalem. But originally it was a, a small town, very agricultural. Most people were working uh, on the land. Most people owned a big parts of the land where they would have olive trees and lemon trees and uh, grow grapes and other vegetables and fruits. And over the years, in the last decades, not much is left of that agricultural land. When I look at my right hand side, I see a very big highway that was constructed here uh, just a few years ago for which the municipality of Jerusalem confiscated a lot of land from the people and they offered them ridiculously low prices in return uh, to compensate them and this is possible because in Israel there is a law that says that the state can confiscate lands if it is for common use and yeah, it was private property of the people and all of a sudden it has become the, this kind of big highway. But now the highway goes through this 
through the town, but there are not many places where we can actually access the highway. So it's cutting the village into two parts and people who used to be neighbors and, you know, people, Palestinians, it's very traditional lifestyle where the families, they still kind of live together. Um, I moved in also with my husband, uh, his family. So my family-in-law, they live upstairs and we live downstairs in the same building. Our houses are connected by um, a stairway. And my children think we live in a very big house because they go between down and upstairs as if it's one house. But actually we are down and they are up. Yeah, and so people have been cut off from each other through this highway and it has it has helped a little bit in having less traffic of the Israeli settlers in our uh, village so that's the positive part I'm, I'm now going on this highway actually towards the south uh, this is called route 60 and I have just crossed no I have uh, I have to say our house is on the West Bank side of the Green Line. The Green Line is the original name for the border between what is became the state of Israel 1948 and what remained under Jordanian control. And so we are with our home on the West Bank side, but because Israel has constructed a wall and checkpoints more towards the east, so now our home is between the border, the Green Line, and the wall that Israel has constructed. Now my children, they are in school in Beit Jala, which is a Christian village very close to Bethlehem. And in order to reach there, I, I passed now one of the first on my way Israeli settlements. And what does that mean? That means that Israel constructed a town on the lands of Palestinian landowners confiscating their land uh, and not uh, paying them any compensation. Uh, so they confiscated the land and they built a town where they are moving in uh, Israeli citizens, Jewish citizens, because it's very, very difficult for any Arab citizen, any Palestinian citizen of, of Israel to live in these places because they have very strict rules about who they allow there. And they, they receive a lot of support, financial support from the government. So the public transportation is very cheap. Housing is uh, all very cheap. It's all subsidized. And people are uh, receiving lots of uh, benefits and support if they move there. And under international law, under the Geneva Convention, it is illegal to move people into the territory that you occupy. And since uh, the international world agrees that uh, this territory is occupied military, then it is, is an illegal act to move people into this area. Now I'm driving right now uh, through a, a tunnel, big tunnel under the hill of Beit Jala. Beit Jala is one of the highest points in the area on the mountain ridge uh, that stretches between Jerusalem and Hebron and um, this is a long tunnel and this is a tunnel that leads uh, down south towards a block of settlements called Gush Etzion Settlement Block and according to the Israeli politicians they are never going to give up uh, these settlements, this block of settlements. They say that Gush Etzion is an inseparable part 
of Israel, even though it is uh, in the middle of the West Bank and it is built, all of the settlements there are built uh, on, on lands confiscated from Palestinian landowners. So I'm driving still in the tunnel, but I can see the end of the tunnel. There's light at the end of the tunnel, but there's also a checkpoint at the end of the tunnel. So what are these checkpoints? Because I guess that often people, when they hear about checkpoints, they don't have really an imagination. And I have to say there are about 500 checkpoints in the whole area here in the West Bank. And uh, each one of them can be different. Some of them are checkpoints between uh, Palestine, between the West Bank and Israel. And some of them are in between Palestinian towns. They are not on any border. Some of them are for Palestinians who obtain a permit to enter to Jerusalem. So they have to cross on foot through those checkpoints and they are literally checked and they have to show their permits, fingerprints, they have to uh, show their, they have to do a body scan, a little bit like what you do on the airport, but with, with soldiers who are much less friendly than airport staff, I have to say. And right now I'm crossing the checkpoint, which is for cars. So the cars that can pass here are cars with a yellow number plate. These are cars that are registered in Israel and that are either owned by Jewish Israelis or by Palestinian citizens of Israel. Because Israel has about one and a half million Palestinians living inside Israel. But they are not called Palestinians. They are referred to as Arab Israelis or Arab citizens of Israel. But they are the same people. They have the same ancestors as the Palestinians in the Gaza Strip and the West Bank but they are referred to differently uh, because of uh, sort of splitting their identity. It is easier um, to, for I think, for any Israeli to deal with an Arab than with a Palestinian. Um, so I, I'm driving now on my left side. I have Beit Jala, where my kids are going to school, but they did not make an exit to Beit Jala, because it's a Palestinian town and the Israeli infrastructure is not uh, made for the Palestinians, even though they can uh, drive uh, on it at some points. And I have to continue and I will go here to the right and then make a, a turn on a roundabout and then go back the same way, because on the way towards the checkpoint, again, there is a way where I can enter into Beit Jala. So, uh, you have to know the infrastructure very well to understand how to get to places. So what I said was that the cars with the yellow number plate are registered in Israel and they can cross the checkpoints, but they are regularly, you are stopped at the checkpoint. And I have to say, especially when you look like an Arab, I am barely stopped at the checkpoint. They probably think I am a settler. Uh, this is what I feel is my, my white privilege. And my children, even, they are four and six, they realize that when they go um, with their father and cross the checkpoint, they are far more often stopped and asked about their, uh, my, my husband, about his identity. He has to show his identity card to prove that he can access Jerusalem because he is from Jerusalem. So he has a different identity card than the Palestinians in the West Bank. 
The Palestinians in the West Bank have what they call a green identity card, which is issued by the Israeli state, even though they have a form of, of autonomy or a, like the Palestinian Authority uh, in the West Bank and parts of the West Bank, I have to say. But the ID cards and the ID numbers are still issued by Israel. So if you have a green ID card, that also means you have an, a car with a green number plate. That means that you are not able to cross these checkpoints into Jerusalem. But in order to check if the person in the yellow plated car is allowed to enter, they stop people, they check their identity card. And this is all a bit racial profiling because a blonde person like me is not really asked to do that. Then it's also not allowed to buy any electronical devices or even dairy products and meat. So you are not allowed to uh, bring that. And if they find that in your car, if they open your car, uh, then they send you back. And also there is a sign newly that says that it is forbidden to hand over vehicles to the Palestinian Authority, which basically means that Israeli settlers are not allowed to go into the Palestinian villages to have their cars repaired, which they very often did because the mechanics on the Palestinian side are uh, cheaper than on the Israeli side. So I'm, I'm driving, I, I did the roundabout, I'm driving back towards the checkpoint, but now just before the checkpoint, there is a small road that goes to the right up into Beit Jala. So that's where I'm going now. And uh, they are doing a lot of construction around this checkpoint. I'm not sure what they are building here. So now I get to an area where there is not under Palestinian control. It's not area A as it's called. It's not under the authority of the Palestinians. It is called area C, which means it is under control of the Israeli army. So sometimes we see here army vehicles and soldiers, and it means that the Palestinian Authority cannot come here to, for example, collect the trash or to clean the area. Uh, and the Israelis are not doing that. So what you see is that it's an area that is not very well maintained. And also, for example, there has been more and more use of drugs in the Palestinian society. Uh, I think also as a way to escape from the harsh reality. And these areas here in Area C is where the Israelis are in control, but they do not care about Palestinians taking here. There is a military vehicle right now just approaching me here. Yeah. And um, the Palestinian police has no authority in this area. So this area became sort of a place of anarchy, a place where, where things uh, that can't be, you know, uh, done by the daylight are being carried out here, but without any really uh, authority control. So I arrived to the school of the children and I'm going to turn around and park and pick them up. It was the first day of school for my son who is four years old and uh, they had to wear the masks because of the COVID-19. So we are, I hope that he had a nice first day at school. It's an, in, it's an international school uh, where they have the German curriculum. We are Dutch, so uh, they are learning Dutch at home and they will learn German now here in the school. And uh, they are also learning, of course, Arabic and also English. So uh, my kids are going to grow up really smart.
Luisa, how was your day at school today? Good. Today we played with Miss Juliana and but Arabic and we had English. So I just picked up my kids and they had a really nice day. They look very happy, especially after half a year of not going to school because here in Palestine we had a lockdown since the beginning of March. And then when things were opening up end of May, the schools actually closed because they usually have summer holidays here starting from the end of May. So yeah, it's been a, a long half a year. We, we really tried our best to um, entertain the kids, but it's not always very easy, uh, especially in this country. And um, I was also, I just realized, you know, that most of my children's friends in the school are from the West Bank, which means that they are not allowed to cross through the checkpoints to come to Jerusalem. So it is very hard for her to invite children to her home to play, uh, even for her birthday, if she wants to do a party. <laughs> they are building a second tunnel, eh, Hadi? So they've been doing construction work by this tunnel to do a second one because yeah, the number of settlers in the settlements is growing and so they need more infrastructure for that. So we are reaching back and we just crossed into Jerusalem according to the sign on the side of the road. And on my right side I see a lot of olive trees that belong to families from Bethlehem. But now because of the checkpoint and the wall they don't have access to it anymore. Mama. Yeah, Louisa. Yeah, exactly. Now my daughter is telling me that one of her friends from the school, Tolin, wants to come and visit her in her home. And that is not possible. So what we can do is because we own a cafe in Bethlehem, we can drive to Bethlehem and we can invite Tolin to come to Singer Cafe and you can play with her there. And every week we end our episode with a few words in Arabic that my children will teach you. So, Louisa, how do you say car in Arabic? Siyar. And how do you say tunnel in Arabic? Mafak. And how do you say school in Arabic? Madrasa. Can you say that also, Hadi? Sayara. Sayara. Nafak. Nafak. Madrasa. Madrasa. Thank you, Hadi. Thank you, Louisa. Shukran. And these were your Arabic words for this week. More Arabic words next week. That's it for today. A crazy reality. If you have any questions about this, then don't hesitate to contact me. I will add some links to my website if you want to read a bit more about the green line the wall, the settlements and other things that I mentioned on the way. And oh yeah, I'm working on a special podcast episode about the olive harvest in Palestine. It has already started, it will last until November. Keep following the updates for that. 
You can follow Stories from Palestine on Facebook, Instagram. You can sign up for the weekly email. Everything can be done and can be found on the website storiesfrompalestine.info. And thanks for listening and I hope that you will tune in again next week. Every Monday, a new episode. <laughs>